Hi, Reem. How are you doing? Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Mubarak, man. What's up? Not much, not much. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to not be hangry this month. Uh, trying to not lose weight. Yep, those are definitely struggles. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, like we were, like we were talking about, most people actually say that they gain weight during Ramadan mm -hmm. because of the binge eating. Uh, you know, at night, like after sunset, um, mm -hmm. and basically up until the sun rises. Um, but it's kind of the opposite for me because I naturally binge eat. And so during this month, uh, I'm forced to not binge eat. Yeah. Um, and I think you get full quickly too when you eat at the end of the day and it's like, you right. have, you know, a few things and it's like, okay, I think I'm content now. Yeah, yeah, your stomach naturally gets a little, gets a little <clears throat> It shrinks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, so hi guys. Uh, we wanted to do this episode just kind of talking about Ramadan. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions, uh, not just this year, but naturally, you know, over the years. Uh, through our work settings and through school and our friends and, and personal lives. Um, so we kind of just wanted to talk about what it is, um, how it affects us and, and you know, young people, uh, Muslims in America, um, and really answer some questions that we've been receiving. One of the things that is always difficult for me, like every year, it's like, you know, you have to deal with you know certain questions and you can't really knock people from for not knowing um right. but at the same time there i mean there are insensitivities um but there are also positive things like there are people who are supportive um and you know they they give solidarity but there are definitely some questions that are on ongoing <laughs> and uh common every year um first one being uh not even water <laughs> So people always ask, you know, they're like, oh, you're fasting. Okay. And they generally know, like, the word Ramadan. They know, like, okay, it's some kind of, like, religious holiday or religious um, thing that people observe, Muslim people observe. Um, so, and they, I think, in general, people ha know that you don't eat yeah. throughout the month. Yeah. Um, but they get surprised that you can't drink anything. And so they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So you can't drink. Oh, okay. So like not even water. Um, and it seems like that's, you know, that's the running theme. Um, and yeah, so you can't even drink water. Yeah. So to, to kind of take a step back, I guess, um, the actual month of Ramadan, it is a month within the Islamic calendar. Um, the Islamic calendar kind of aligns with the lunar calendar um, and how the month started originally was we believe that the Prophet Muhammad uh, was revealed a chapter of the Quran every single night um, during this month. Um, and so I'm and that's how it came together, the, the Quran. Right? Yeah. Um, and so on that point, um, right now, Ramadan started, what was the first day? Um, May 27, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the end of the month, um, you know, will be something around June 25 to 27, something like that. Um, and depending on 
the, the moon. moon. Exactly. Yeah. And so because it does depend on the moon and the lunar calendar doesn't exactly correlate with our solar January through December calendar, um, the actual month of Ramadan actually moves forward about two weeks every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, like 11 days to be exact. Yeah, right? something like that. Yeah. So so if, it's, uh, if it starts May 27th this year, the next year it'll be, you know, mid-May. So it'll move up um, earlier yeah. and then continue a month. Yeah. And, and so then it'll continue like that until, you know, maybe in a few years it'll actually be in the winter. Yeah. The day is much shorter. Right. And so, yeah, that does pose some some challenges for a lot of people who, you know, are going through Ramadan during the summer, you know, in the northern hemisphere right now. Um, and then, you know, it'll be a little bit easier for us in a few years when the days get shorter and uh, instead of a 16-hour day, we only fast for, say, like a 10-hour day or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, so on that point of giving up things, I guess, to kind of go back to that no food, no water, um, another thing that uh, I guess Reem and I have kind of been talking about is medication. Um, one thing that has hit me definitely today, uh, I woke up at 9 a.m. to mow my parents' lawn. Um that was not a pleasant situation just because I always forget to eat my allergy medicine or take my allergy <laughs> medicine before sunrise. Um, so I was, you know, sneezing like crazy this morning. Um, but that's one thing that, you know, since you can't consume water, you also actually can't consume your medicine um, during the day. Um, but you have a pass to uh, choose to break your fast if you uh, don't feel well or you need to take medicine or, um, you know, if you're sick you know, you have that free pass. You don't have to suffer through it. Um, the, the point is not to suffer, right? Right, right. Because Ramadan generally, it's <clears throat> not supposed to be torture. Um, and this is a big thing that, uh, that Reem and I wanted to talk about, that, um, you know, we don't believe that God is, you know, malevolent in his, uh, in his desire with this, right? We, he definitely wants us um, to kind of learn and, and to reflect during this month. And we're not really supposed to, to fast if you, like Reem said, if you're sick or, you know, if you're not feeling well and for, you know, for different people, there are different circumstances wherein you actually are not supposed to fast. Um, I know somebody right now who's pregnant um, and she's not fasting because, well, she's pregnant. Yeah. She's, she has to feed two people. So um, there's definitely um, a lot of, there are definitely a lot of circumstances where you physically uh, cannot uh, go through the day without, you know, eating or drinking or taking your medicine or whatever. Um, and even for me, like I haven't been fasting for a few days because I have to take medication because, you know, I have a problem in my kidney and I didn't know. And so, um, that's one thing where like, you know, you have to be constantly hydrated. You have to like really nourish your body and at the same time take medicine. Um, so I think, yeah, back to what we're saying is that it's, it's not meant to be a, a torture, um, and there are definitely a lot of ways that, you know, you can still observe the month without uh, physically, like, not eating or drinking, um, because I think that kind of takes me to my next point, is that there are a lot of things that we give up during the month that aren't just about food, um, it, because there's a bigger lesson, there's a bigger purpose. Like, if you want to go into, like, the other things that we can give up yeah sure well another thing about Ramadan because it is a time to reflect and it is kind of 
um, you know, a time to kind of see who you are as a person and where you fit in with your society and your community. Um, there are certain behavioral things also that, um, that people generally give up. So my Arabic professor, Professor Rabah, shout out Rabah, um, <laughs> people like him, they give up smoking cigarettes. Um, and for some, that's harder than for others. Uh, I remember this man, I broke fast with him one day a couple summers ago, and right after he took a sip of water, he went outside so that he could smoke a cigarette. Yeah, because you can't smoke while you're fasting. Right. Yeah. You know, there are other things like not cursing, for example, um, and really trying to, like, you know, watch what you say and, and be kind, I think, in your speech. Um, mm. Or, you know, not listening to music that has cursing or is profane or, um, you know, just, just doesn't. unnecessarily wild. Yeah, which is <laughs> very hard to do, uh, I think, especially Shout for out, us. Shout out Cardi. Yes. Um, yeah, another thing, really hard that, uh, another thing that comes up for, you know, people with partners is, you know, not being intimate during these times of fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, just another test between couples. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, where is your faith at? Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of how do you see your relationship between each other, between human beings, between mm-hmm. you and God as a couple? Yeah, even married couples, you know, it's like it's a it's a time to test kind of your uh, interactions with each other without having to be intimate or physically intimate um and i think again it just goes back to removing a lot of the distractions and the noise that goes on in our everyday lives i mean i think for me especially like music is such a huge part of my everyday uh activities uh just like listening to music um and obviously it's not all you know appropriate i guess if you want to say that um so just kind of like taking a step back and instead of like listening to music, then I can listen to something else that is, say, you know, more educational, more spiritual. Um, And I think that's kind of the purpose is to really think about the alternatives that you can start building in your life to make you reflect, um, you know, on your spirituality um, and also just build empathy. I mean, I think the another big component of Ramadan is to build empathy for those who are less fortunate, right? And this is the month where we give the most, um, you know, charity, you know, volunteering, all of that. It's really meant to teach us a lesson about our privilege um, and to kind of remove ourselves from everything that we have available to us on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, you know, the food and the physical things, but also the other behavioral uh, things, the the other distractions that go on around us and um, really take a step back and build empathy for those who are homeless or those who, you know, are struggling with so many things in their lives. Yeah, um, whether that be financially or, you know, just yeah. not being able to put enough food on the table right. or, you or know. health or something. Yeah. yeah. Like and, and on that point, you know, you mentioned homeless people. I think one thing that a, a lot of us don't really recognize, um, Muslims especially, is that there are people who are less fortunate than us who may seem that they're not, you know. There are people around us every day. If you're listening to this right now, there are probably people who live on your block who are less fortunate than you, and you don't you even, even know even it. Know. I mean, it happens to me almost every day where I come across something or I see something where I, you know, I kind of have to take a step back and, and, and look at my own life and say, you know, this is something I'm taking for granted. And Ramadan is a perfect time to do that. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, definitely a time for uh, a little bit of recalibration, uh, a little bit of of reflection and to kind of say, you know, what is important to me? What do I need? Um, what in my life can I give up? 
uh, what don't I want to give up? What do I have that others don't? Um, mm-hmm. And really, like Reem said, really giving back to those in, in a very humble manner, giving back to those who, who might not have all of the luxuries that we do. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, some of the things that, like, my family does um, is just try to be together more as well. Um, and it's really mm-hmm. a time to uh, build a, a better connection uh, with your family because, you know, another thing is that there are some people who are unfortunate enough to be with, you know, their parents or their siblings or their children. There's so many families that are, I think, um, we kind of forget about this, but for a lot of circumstances are not whole or are not together, um, whether it be, you know, someone passes away or someone is, you know... Even the, distance. In distance. They're yeah. separated for any kind of reason, right? So I know, like, my parents really make a point for all of us to eat together you know, every single night, like, I don't, it's, it's kind of a month for me where, like, I don't go out after work, you know, on the weekdays, or I don't really, um, have iftar, um, elsewhere, because my parents really take that to heart, like, you know, we're gonna eat together, so I think that's also another huge part of it. For me personally, Ramadan has kind of evolved over the years, the way that I see it, the way that I kind of take it in, um, you know, when I first started fasting, I was probably, um, I don't know, preteen, early teen, something like that. When I actually started fasting or trying to um, attain that 30 days of fasting, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the beginning, it was definitely trying to focus on the materials, trying to focus on not eating food, not eating, eating water, not, um, you know, being able to have some candy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, kind of after I got into high school, it became more of a time to reflect and kind of time to um, think about those things that I did have, you know, the luxuries and things like that. Then I think when I got into college, for me, it was more about kind of seeing where I fit into the community and kind of um, really just trying to reflect on my connections. And so that really is, you know, kind of what Reem is talking about, you know, especially after I went to college. And I know this happens for a lot of people. So, you know, Muslims were, we're just like you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I definitely got closer with my parents when I, you know, when I moved out and, um, you know, went to college and there was some distance between us physically. Um, Ramadan was a perfect time for me to say, you know, this connection and this relationship that I have with you, my family member, my best friend, my friend, whatever, um, it's it's valuable to me and it's important to me and this is something that I want to keep and I want to build on it. It's something that um, you know is is very valuable to my personal growth. Yeah, um, I think uh, I don't know about you, Ari, but for me it was like more so when when I was younger. It was like a thing you did because your parents told you to do it and because all the other Muslim people in your community did it. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. and I think we didn't really have a full holistic understanding of it. And I think that's kind of uh, common with a lot of religious activities in general is that, you know, when you're, when you're younger, even as a teenager, like I, I was grown, like I, I had a lot of resources available to me to like actually learn, but I, I didn't, like I just Mm -hmm. went along kind of with the motions. Right. Um, But I think college is a real testament as to, what you want to do and how you want to do it because we don't have our parents hovering over us right right? right. and we went to the same university so it was definitely a hard place to be where it wasn't like 
people didn't look like us. People didn't come from the same background as us. So it was like, okay, so I really have free reign right now because no one's watching me. It goes from, you know, when you're a teenager, you're at home and your parents obviously like can see what you're doing and mm -hmm. they can see if you're eating or you're not drinking or whatever. But I think being independent and being um, in college and choosing to do that and, and understanding it in a very different context is, for me, that's how I was able to evolve um, in my spiritual understanding of Ramadan. Um, not just the, you know, uh, I guess, step-by-step -step rule book of Ramadan. Yeah. And for a lot of people, um, they have the opposite. And whether that's good or bad, it's not for any of us to say. A lot of people, I think, I, I realized in college, they kind of saw that a lot of the religious restrictions that were put on them were not personally for them. A lot of the times, especially among our generation, whether it be because of social media or the connections that we have, etc., um, there's a lot of judgment that happens. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially at a place like we went to school, you know, where there was a certain Muslim community that was tight-knit, and there were also Muslims just kind of like on the fringe doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of judgment in, in the community as well as outside the community, whereas, you know, we were kind of being judged by a lot of the a lot of our fellow students of, you know, oh, even so simple as, you know, like some people sometimes would ask me like why I wasn't going to the gym to play basketball with them anymore for like a month. You know what I mean? <laughs> like things like that. It's kind of like, okay, well, let's take a time to reflect, but also within the community, it's kind of like for those people who didn't want to participate in Ramadan, um, they were kind of being judged by their peers in the, ter in terms of, you know, they came to this university where they didn't really have a lot of like-minded people or like-backgrounded people. And now they're also, you know, on its head being turned and saying, you know, okay, well, why am I being judged by this person too? Yeah, I, and I think, um, you know, it's interesting that people take um, Ramadan as a chance, you know, as an opportunity to reset and do things differently. Like we all, I mean, for the most part, you know, people that I surround myself with, you know, we do things differently during Ramadan. We, like like I said, we, we cut back on the kind of music we listen to. We, you know, if we get together, like, the conversations are different. Um, we try to, like, encourage each other. So people who take that as a, as a reset, um, there's so many ways that people take that. Like, I've seen full-blown, like, Twitter wars and Facebook status wars and beef over people being like, Oh, like if you're only like a Ramadan Muslim, then you're not a real Muslim because you're only practicing or, or observing Islam one month out of the whole year. And then there are other people being like, okay, what's wrong with that? Like if I want to take, you know, Ramadan as a chance to really, you know, sit back and, and, and reflect and do things differently and be like, you know, I guess, uh, quote unquote, a good Muslim. And find that connection with your faith. And find that connection, right, with your faith, then that's okay, because maybe it leads to something else. Maybe that's the beginning point of of a, a different lifestyle or a different way that you, you observe the world. And if it's not, then that should be fine, and no one should be there to judge you for it, right? So there are people who are on, you know, different sides of the, the, the spectrum, um, and it's always interesting seeing the arguments that people have because you know there's a way in which everyone kind of uh i think observes ramadan and there are always going to be you know the the people policing you and telling you you should do it this way and you should not do it this way right which which definitely applies to 
religions outside of Islam yeah, too. I mean, every religion things. has those people that are going to judge you for certain things. Yes. Um, and you know, Reem and I talk a lot about um, the way that culture impacts religion, whatever the religion is. For us, obviously, it's Islam. And um, you know, although our families come from two different, seemingly different cultures, there's a lot of overlap yeah. between our cultures. I think. Yeah. And one absolutely. of those overlaps is um, you know cultural shaming. And like you said, you know, a lot of the times when kids are growing up with the religion, they do certain things because that's just what their parents are telling them to do. That's just the culture around them. Mm-hmm. That's the people that's they're growing up with. That's yeah. the norm. And so that's kind of one of those ways that that culture positively and negatively affects the religion. But also there's that uh, culture of shaming and that culture of, um, you know, telling people that if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, then you're not a Muslim. Or if you're not doing... A, B, and C, then you're not properly fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the way that I see that, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, if you're going to judge somebody, if you're going to shame somebody for doing X, Y, and Z, what's the difference between you shaming you and them person. and them doing that act? Yeah. Whatever it is. Right. And I think personally the way I see it is that, you know, everything change doesn't happen overnight um whether that's personal change or like societal change whatever it is right and so i think there are baby steps that people can take and i actually read this really good article um the other day that maybe we can put uh, a link here for everyone to to check out um but it was i think it was along the lines of you know uh doing ramadan as a quote-unquote bad muslim um but it was interesting because the the writer was saying like you know they you know they put bad i think in in parentheses um but uh or in quotation marks because that's kind of the the feel that you get when you do things a certain way and people constantly tell you like you're not a good muslim you're not a good muslim and you know she talks about the struggle of um observing this month and having to deal with people being judgmental and be people, you know, calling you out. Um, but I think it was really great because she, she outlines kind of all these, like, little things that you can do um, during this month and carry it on afterwards that are, you know, that are small things that go a long way. Um, and it's like, okay, so if you can't, for example, if you really... Uh, have a hard time committing to praying every prayer during the day make it your goal to at least pray like uh, you know when the sun sets Um, if you can't uh, you know really fast every single day if if there's one day that you're really like struggling and you can't that's fine why don't you uh you know donate money to a charity that day or why don't you go volunteer and do something like Mm -hmm. she was just trying to come up with all these you know creative ways of um you know being a good person in general no matter what faith uh you are um and also just creating baby steps to becoming uh, a more whole and a more uh reflective person um and i think it was really great and i know a lot of people um it resonated with them because you constantly feel like you know uh it's kind of like a how do you say like a um a zero-sum game Sure. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you don't do one little thing, then that negates your whole identity as a Muslim or that negates uh, your intentions or that negates you being a quote unquote good Muslim. Um, and I think that's, that's like, such a harmful way to look at it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that is the way that a lot of people go about it nowadays, because, you know, in 
with our generation, we do have a lot of distractions, right? Mm -hmm. And we do have so many things pulling us in different directions. Mm -hmm. And so then when you do kind of uh, fall into those distractions and then you kind of lose um, a lot of your spiritual self, which happens all the time. I mean, I will speak for myself and I know that that happens to me too. And so I'm like, oh crap, like I have to take a step back. Um, And so I think it's important to take a step back without feeling defeated and thinking that, hey, like, I made one, you know, I I strayed away for a little bit, but that doesn't negate my whole identity as, you know, a person who is Muslim or a person who is Sudanese or a person who is this. And so it's it's constantly trying to balance that and and bring it together um, while tuning out the the feeling of being shamed for it. Right, right. And and I think you made a couple of good points in there. You know, one of those being... The intention. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up in the actual act, mm-hmm. um, which is very easy during a time like Ramadan, where your intentions and your acts are literally on display. Um, I think that a lot of people kind of forget that a lot of faith and Islam in particular is about your intention. It is, you know, I haven't seen this article, but the, I mean, I, I feel like I, I want to go seek that out now. That's a great article because I think that just being able to have some type of alternative to saying, you know, okay, yeah, I'm not fasting today, um, but, you know, I have, like, an extra five bucks. Let me give it to this guy so that he can go get himself a sandwich. Like, something as simple as that, just that random act of kindness, Mm -hmm. and it's the intention behind that, and, you know, not even having to go publicize or go, you know, go back into work and the next day and say, like, oh, yeah, like, I fed this homeless guy. It's not about that. It's just about saying, you know, or knowing within yourself, like, yeah, if I'm not going to be able to do this for myself, I'm going to be able to put my efforts or my money or my time forward to others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like, I, I and that's why, like, I, I really like this article is that there, there are so many different ways to give to others. There are so many ways to give to yourself, to... Um, while also not losing sight of the purpose of this month and the and and what God um, intends, and it is about your intention, right? Like, I mean, there are simple things that Islam tells us. Like, even if you intend to, uh, you know, pick up the Quran today and read a certain chapter, if you don't get to that, it still counts as you putting forth the effort because you put that intention in Mm. your mind, right? Um, But just to read a quote from this article, it's called Preparing for Ramadan as a Bad Muslim. Um, And the the first opening uh, sentence or two just, I think, resonate with a lot of people. Every year during Ramadan, I put too much pressure on myself thinking about post-Ramadan life and psych myself out. I tell myself this will be the year that I finally get my life together. Um, and I think that's a, a sentiment that a lot of people have. And again, you know, there is a certain kind of uh, shame that people attach to that um, where, you know, why, why are you finally now getting your life together? Why are you finally now using this as a start, uh, as a restart, right? Like, if you wanted to be better, then you could have done that before. Like, there's so many things that people say. Um, and, and I think that actually pushes people away from... Yeah you know, the religion, and, and, and it pushes people away from uh, really understanding it because they feel like they can't enter this space if there's always going to be some kind of judgment mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think going off that point and, and what you said earlier about the article, you know, something that personally I've kind of evolved with is prayer 
um, and just my intention with prayer, um, the actual physical act of doing it. Uh, you know, when I was younger, it was definitely one of those things that I was doing only because, you know, I, I would pray with my mom, you know, side by side with her or something like that. Um, but then again, like when I, you know, got into high school and when I got into college, I definitely made that intention of saying, okay, you know, maybe I can't pray while I'm at school or, you know, maybe I can't, I, I'm going to miss prayer because of track practice or something, but um, I'm definitely going to pray at sunset or, um, you know, on the weekend, I'm definitely going to pray three times because this is feasible for me. Mm -hmm. And that definitely helped me grow individually just because I could say, okay, this is what I know I can do. This is what I know I can't do, but I can try to be better at. And, yeah. um, you know, that's definitely helped me grow. And I, Wow, we really need to link that article. That was a good article. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, send it to you. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about setting uh, realistic goals. Um, yes. And that's really what it comes down to. Setting realistic goals, but also like getting your intentions right. Um, you know, you can, you can talk about doing certain things. You can talk about going to prayer with your family. You can talk about, you know, uh, feeding, you know, x amount of people but it's like what is your intention behind that mm -hmm. like are you actually trying to grow yourself are you actually trying to just do it for the sake of doing it and it looks good like you know right. i think we need to remove the altruism from a lot of these things um and, and really set our intentions and i think i think that goes to say like for any time of the year it's not really just during this month but um you know, my friends and I were talking about this, but it's like if your internal compass is off, then you're going to make decisions that are off too, right? Like mm -hmm. you might see something and, and it looks like the good decision to make or it's like the best decision to make, but it's actually not. It's kind of disguised as that, but that's because you internally are not um, you know, calibrated, like mm -hmm. you mentioned and earlier. This is, and this is definitely where, um, you know, I differ. Maybe this is a, a new school of Islam type of thing. You know, I mean, I, de I mean, I studied Islam in college. You know, it was one of my, it was one of the focal points of my double major. And um, it, it's some, it's a place where I definitely differ from my parents about is that intention aspect mm -hmm. of Islam. Um, because, I mean, let's take something as simple as smoking a cigarette. You know, I, I just gave the example of my Arabic professor who wouldn't smoke during the day, but would smoke like a pack of cigarettes Chain from, yeah, from like sunset to sunrise, Jeez, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's not to say that smoking is, um, is something that you should give up permanently. It's just to say that, you know, this is something that's harmful for your body and it's something that you should reflect on. Um, and the intention to be a better person is all encompassing. Mm -hmm. And the intention to be a better person is not just um, a, a, a visible act of not smoking. It's kind of also, you know, him saying, okay, well, him making the decision of, okay, yeah, he wants to continue smoking, but there are other ways that he's going to become a better person, mm -hmm. hopefully, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and going back to that point of, you know, me disagreeing with my parents is, is um, just that you know being able to to take a step back and saying okay you know these are the aspects that i can fit into my life and these are the aspects that i want to fit into my life sooner or later point, yes um and just knowing that you know faith just like a lot of other things you know career trajectory or skills it's not a ladder it's not a it's not a simple path mm -hmm. um you know 
everything kind of goes in a zigzag way you know you kind of be a circle right it's like it's kind of like the way that obama talked about politics you know sometimes um you take a couple steps forward and sometimes you take a couple steps back Mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah especially for young muslims it's something that we need to understand it's it's okay to falter it's okay to fall off the horse because you know if you truly have that intention of being a muslim period not just qualifying it as a good muslim a bad muslim a practicing muslim etc you know if you truly have that intention of being a good human being then at the end of the day you're gonna and and, you know at the end of the day you're happy with what you're doing that's what it's about it's about being empathetic towards others and Mm -hmm. understanding where you are and where you fit in that community right and i think for um you know kind of going to the point of uh where we differ from our parents we definitely practice and see religion in a very different way than our parents do. And, you know, like, Arib, you're from Bangladesh, I'm from Sudan, um, and I think there are just so many things that our parents take from back home that carry over without, you know, putting into context the context that we're in. Yeah, or or any real critical thought for a lot of the things, right? Right, because we, like... You know, for example, I I went to, when I was in Sudan three years ago, um, we went during like the last, I think, 10 days of Ramadan, and life stops there. Like, when you're back home observing Ramadan in a majority Muslim country, there's nothing really there to distract you, you know? People don't really work. They have like three-hour, you know, work days, and if that, um, most people just take off, and they're just kind of chilling, right? And they nap, man. And they nap. (laughs) (laughs) And they nap, Um, and, you know, they're, you know, the the mosques around you are all centered around this, you know, Sense of community. Yeah, Yeah. and the sense of community, and the fact that it's a holy month. Um, There are just so many things that really, like, don't distract you, and so, for us here, like we've never really experienced that, um, and we don't see it until we go mm-hmm. for a vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like very short term. But they grew up like that, right? They grew up with, you know, Ramadan is kind of like everything around you shuts off. Yeah. And when we're here, they don't, you know, life goes on. We still go to work, right? We yeah. still have to endure through, you know, long days and long nights and. At the end of the day, like, no one's really going to sit here and be like, oh, you deserve a break. Like, go home. Like, yeah. you shouldn't be here. No, because things just keep going. It's business as usual. And, and business and, as usual. And to yeah. that point, you know, I have just, you know, infinite amounts of respect for people who, um, you know, growing up, I saw more of them, um, you know, people who don't have the desk jobs that Reem, you and I do, where, yeah, you know, true. we're not doing physical labor during the yeah. day. Like, the hardest part of my job is, um, I don't know, like having to deal with phone calls or having to coordinate things, like using yeah. mental energy. Yeah. Whereas there are a lot of people during this month of physical. Ramadan who all around the world are doing, you know, just backbreaking physical labor yeah. and they're still choosing to, to fast. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the hardest thing about, you know, I think Ramadan is really like reflecting on that and, and kind of what we said like the building the empathy part it's not building empathy just for people you know who are less fortunate but like you said who are going through this month and they're doing a lot more physical activity and they're still choosing to do it and then it makes you recognize your own privilege like it really checks you like i really think this month is such a, a reality check 
Um, Because I can sit here and complain about, you know, sitting at my desk for like eight hours and, you know, being hungry or being tired or being thirsty. But there are people who it's physically draining for them. Yeah. Um, And and life life goes on and and things don't stop for them. Um, But, you know, I think for our parents coming, you know, from from back home and being here they also have to endure, you know, going through work and all of that, but they really also don't understand the other distractions that we go through or that Mm -hmm. we have all around us. Which are all privileges, honestly. And they're privileges, right? Mm -hmm. Distractions, privileges, um, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's here and it's around us. Um, and so I think that's why we, we practice differently because we are constantly trying to maneuver that and we're trying to, you know, figure out how we can tune all of that out and really, like, focus on um, the spiritual aspect of everything. Whereas I think for them it's just much easier because they're used to it. And yeah. they, you know, when they're back home, they it was kind of a, an expected norm, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and, you know, kind of playing off that point of taking religion from, you know, our cultural backgrounds... Um, you know, a lot of the ways that we differ from our parents are because of things like, um, at, at least personally, you know, my parents don't really come from a place where, you know, education is that easy to come by. And for a lot of people, um, they're educated by, religiously, they're educated by people who, you know, they've just kind of been passing things down generation by generation. They're not really referencing a lot of academic text or even religious academic t- work, you know, however you want to classify that. Um and so a lot of what they're being taught is, you know, flatly incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they that, have no justification for it. Like, yeah, and they there's have, so many things. I ask my parents, I'm like, but why? And they're just like, just because. Just because, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, there are, you know, a hundred points that I, could, that I could look to to say this is something where our culture does not mesh well with the religion. Um, you know, obviously marriage is one of them. The way that marriages are, are kind of gone about in Bangladesh, um, you know, a lot of the aspects are not right culture or religiously. They don't really look to the right things. Um, it's it's as simple as um, greeting an elder in Bangladesh. The the natural greeting when you meet somebody for or not meet somebody, but when you see somebody for the first time in a long time or something is you're supposed to get down on your knees and you touch their feet and then you touch their you touch your chest, and it's a, it's a sign of respect um, culturally, but. In Islam, we're taught that you are never to bow to another human being because, as some of you guys know, you know part of what we do when we pray is we prostrate. We we, we literally get on our hands and knees and we bow towards, um, you know, towards the house of God, essentially, mm-hmm. in kind of like a show of we we only serve God. Whereas, you know, culturally, that's a really big thing for us. When you see somebody, you you do that thing. You kind of get down and you you touch their feet. And that's something that, you know, is one of those things that I feel like I kind of differ from my parents on where, you know, their culture kind of influences how they view the religion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's so many contradictions that I think we're able to sit back and kind of recognize that yeah. our parents don't. And again, when you ask them, they're kind of like, well, that's just how it is. Yeah. And you yeah. just got to deal with it. But yeah. no, that's not right. Like, you can't just you know, go with the motions and not, um, not really critique it or just take a step and think about it. Um, because then there's no purpose 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not a knock on them at all because that's just how they grew up, and that's fine. But you know, taking it back to the point of Ramadan, it, it's also a good time for you while you're, um, you know, making kind of rebuilding or continuing to build that connection with them. It's definitely a good time to have these tough conversations. You know,、mm-hmm. it's a good time to reflect as a group. And kind of get together and say, you know, why do we practice this way, or why do we do certain things and we don't do certain things?、Um, you know, it, it starts by asking simple questions.、Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like we said, like I, I think here practicing、um, uh, Islam and and doing Ramadan as Muslims in America, there are a lot of things that are difficult about it, but I think. To to be more on the positive side, there are people who like really,、um, you know, empathize with us and who and are genuinely supportive and, and genuinely supportive. Like, I mean, my dad just told me the other day that、um, his、uh, like their their program director、um, was fasting.、Uh, you know, he's an American guy, like non-Muslim, non-Muslim, probably in his. 50s or 60s, and he was like, "I just wanna, you know, I just wanna try it, and I wanna know how you guys are are doing this because he's like, you know, as someone who works with you and who sees you every day, like, I wanna be able to connect with you like that. And to me, that's like, that's really nice. Like, that's he doesn't have to do that.、Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's going well above and beyond what he what he just should even be expected to do. Exactly. And that's awesome. And I think that's. That's basic humanity right there, and that's you know what it takes to like really try to connect with people.、Um, you know, he was my dad told me he was always curious. Like he would ask them, you know,、um, oh, so you know when is Ramadan? Like, what do you guys do? Like, what's the point of it? All this stuff. So he like wanted to find out more, and 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 kind of did his own research too. And then he was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna fast, and I'm gonna see how it feels like, and maybe I'll. Continue to do it, yeah.、Um, and so I think those are like really powerful things that happen. I think a lot with、um, with your coworkers, with other friends who are non-Muslim. I know like my non-Muslim friends are so like supportive, and they you know if they're planning like a dinner or something, they'll plan it around like iftar time,、yeah. or they're they'll、yeah. be like, okay, well. You know, we know you guys have to be with your family, so let's do it on this day where you know you don't have to be home. Or、yeah. they'll try to, you know, kind of work around our schedule. Yeah, and that's one thing that you know. I'm glad that you know you say that you've experienced that. I mean,、mm-hmm. I've I've definitely experienced that over the last couple of years too. Just having a non-Muslim support group, who or, or just friends who act as a non-Muslim support group for my faith,、mm-hmm. because it it goes both ways. Because I want to be supportive of. Of their faith and you know their practices just as much as they can be for me. Yeah,、and、that goes a very, very, very long way. So kind of 
to take a step back and, and move away from the point of Ramadan in general, um, we're recording this episode on Sunday, June 4. Um, it's the day after there were a couple attacks in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, Reem, it's something that, yeah, it's something that we wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, I would feel remiss if we didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a lot of Muslims during this time period, especially, you know, in the quote-unquote West, uh, in America, in Europe, in the UK, etc., um, it's hard for us to kind of find a balance between, at least personally, I think it's it's hard for us to find a balance between um, the constant need for condemnation and also the need to educate those around us. Um, because when we're given the atmosphere when we're given the platform to do one it's usually not to do both and it's usually to do the former it's usually to um you know bring a a prominent muslim name on your tv show so that they can condemn the attack and then you kind of move on um and that's really if that even happens at all right Mm -hmm. um and so i kind of wanted to ream i kind of wanted to touch on um you know millennial muslims especially kind of how we go about this considering now a lot of us in our generation are entering the workforce and we you know are kind of around people who don't really think the way that we do and Mm -hmm. kind of trying to find that balance between showing people that um like i mentioned earlier that you know muslims were just like everybody else we're just as disgusted by these people who you know some consider muslims we don't um yeah you know we're just as appalled that they would you know have what I want to say, I shouldn't say, but, uh, you know, that they would even do things like attack children or things like that, especially, not to say especially, but especially during this month of Ramadan when yeah. they claim to be Muslim, whereas, you know, the month of Ramadan is a time to humble yourself. It's a time to, like we said, be a part of that community and for someone to do something so terrible and so inhumane as take another person's life or attack somebody else or be violent during this time is mm-hmm. um, is practically unthinkable. Yeah, and I think we've definitely emphasized this a lot in, in previous episodes and our conversations, but, like, these people are not Muslim. Right? They don't... You are not following any kind of faith or any kind of uh, belief. Uh, you don't know God if you are taking other people's lives, right? So, um, you know, people acting under the pretense of faith is, it's scary because anyone can do that. Anyone can exploit an idea or a belief and say that they are doing it because of that, right? I mean, right. And, and we have that happening in America where, you know, people are, uh, you know, they're, they say that they're being Christian by, by taking away food stamps, and they're being Christian by taking away um, social nets right, or social or, safety nets and yeah, things like or, that. Yeah, or people's lives. I mean, the you know the Portland attack, which was last week. I mean, this person claimed that he's, you know there were so many things that he, he said that God wanted him to do that. Yeah, like he claims that he's a strong Christian, and this was a purpose for him, right? Um, so, and I think you know today with the London attacks, it's sad because it seems like London has been like just under the microscope like it's been attacked so many times um and i like i don't even know like 
it, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it, it really is hard to find the words because because of like what I said, you know, we kind of try to find this balance between constant condemnation yeah. and educating those around us. And both are extremely tiring um, yeah. in the sense of, you know, sometimes I'm in atmosphere, I'm in certain atmospheres where the only conversation we want to have is, well, how can you be Muslim and, and, you know, consider yourself Muslim if these are also the people who consider themselves Muslim? Yeah. You know, how can you claim this kind of stuff? Or or even on that point, you know, well, it, you know, why aren't these people Muslim? And it's people not really taking the time to understand a certain faith. And, and you so know, you have to explain. <laughs> yeah, and you can kind of try to try to segue into that educational aspect in saying, you know, by making comparisons and by saying, you know, well, do you believe the KKK who lynch people and burn people alive? Do you think that they're doing that for God? Because that's what they claim. Mm -hmm. Or the Westboro Baptist Church or the IRA or all of these other things that, that happened in, in life. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but just because of the sociopolitical atmosphere that we're in, um, it, it, it's very difficult to kind of break through to people who don't really want to see that. And, um, yeah. And I think it speaks volumes, you know, the, the increasing terror now and the increasing, um, you know, events that are just really disgusting. I think it just speaks to how troubled people are around the world, like how much people are just constantly hurting around the world. Because, you know, people who do this are very vulnerable individuals. Um, and I think that there is, there has to be something completely off and completely wrong within you to uh, to be so, uh, I guess, attracted to uh, committing things like this with a group of people, or even if it's individual, yeah. right? And so I think it's just a, a true testament to a lot of the other underlying issues that we have not even unpacked yeah. to this point, right? So we keep talking about, oh, like, you know, why is this London attack happening? Why is this... Uh, you know, attack in Istanbul happening. Why is, you know, it's it's always on the news, right? And so I think we don't go back and realize what the things that happened before that, that, that led people to that point, yeah. whether it's individual or societal or, you know, at a community level. Yeah, and, and I think that the conversation of what leads somebody to towards extremism whether it's religious or otherwise is you know an entirely a, a separate episode right. we could have but um one general fear that i think i want to throw out there that i i have especially off of the last couple of weeks um especially after the the manchester bombing um, mm -hmm. at the concert um, is immediately the reaction that i saw in england uh, among a lot of people was very positive but also among the media, you know, I saw a couple reports, um, you know, talking about the actual bomber himself um, and kind of trying to humanize the bomber in the sense of I saw they were talking about the fact that he was wearing like $150 Jordans and he was wearing a Hollister jacket. And that's scary to me for the sense of um, if you are going to say that, oh, he was just like anybody else this bomber could be anybody else, could be any other Muslim, then that's going to instill instill fear in other everyday people, Muslim and otherwise, to say, to, to point fingers at the casual Muslim, the, the Muslim who is just walking down the street, who's also mm, wearing Jordans. Jordans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's scary to me because, I mean, 
unfortunately, I encounter people every day who, you know, kind of already have that mindset that this could come from anywhere at any time, Mm -hmm. um, even within the United States. And and it scares me to think that people like me, people who look like me, can be targeted because of that. Yeah, and I think... um you know, even us living in such a metropolitan, diverse area, like the, the DMV area, um, you know, even w- when I tell people at work um, or just, you know, people that I'm just getting to know that I'm Muslim, you always feel like they're kind of taken aback a little bit. Like, they're like, oh, you are. Okay. So, like, what does that mean? Or what? And I don't like getting that reaction like why is it that you have to take a step back and like you know re-judge this person or like change how you think about them because they just you know made a statement that they practice a certain faith um and at the same time I don't blame them um but again it goes back to the media and how you know the the stories that it kind of um shapes and how it communicates that information yeah like if you if you are humanizing uh someone who just committed something really horrible then of course people are going to be paranoid they're going to think anyone who looks like you or i like they can just do something um and and on that point um you know to kind of i guess we're kind of delving into a lot of other media stuff you know to kind of wrap up the point of, of terrorism and radicalization and stuff um I would also be upset at myself if I didn't say, you know, people like the two people who lost their lives for the young girls in Portland and the guy, the, the poet um, who, you know, has just said so many beautiful things since that day about how we need to focus on the girls and things, you know, those people, there are people like that all around us. Who will and defend us. Who will defend yeah. us. And I don't want to take them for granted either um, at all, you know, there are so many allies um, for Muslims and for minorities and women and mm-hmm. etc. And um, I think we need to prop them up just as much as we prop ourselves up. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to continue observing Ramadan and we're going to continue trying to become better people personally uh, within this month and outside this month. And we ask you guys to join us, um, you know, however you can, if you want to talk to a Muslim, if you want to read about it online, maybe we'll post a couple articles or some links where you guys can find some good literature on how you can become a Muslim ally or how you can um, really just, you know, become a more well-read and mm-hmm. understanding person. Yeah, and, and we'll post that uh, the link to the article that um, I referenced earlier. Um, and also it uh, a video just a, a short clip that shows kind of the longest, the, the countries that observe the longest days oh, yeah. um, in Ramadan, which um, I think is good for reference because there are people in like Copenhagen that they basically fast like, like 22 hours the whole a day. day. Yeah. yeah, and people who fast like very, very long days and just to keep them in mind. Um, so I think those would be good, good references. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just definitely, I think the point is to continue bettering ourselves as individuals and also thinking about how we can better our communities and hopefully i think if people really do genuinely work on that and and try to spread that kind of uh uh benefit and that uh the kindness and all these things that we are trying to accomplish uh, on a personal level and, and spread that outwards then 
there hopefully will be less people who are inclined to uh, be hateful to other people, uh, who are less inclined to uh, engage in extremist behavior, um, who won't kill people, hopefully, um, and just them also being better people. So I think it, it actually comes full circle. Um, it starts you know, at the individual level and kind of spreads outwards. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks for having the talk, Reem. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this is another episode of Cool for Thought. Yes. More appropriate than ever, but uh, <laughs> stay hungry. <laughs>